Good morning, good morning, good morning. We are so happy to have you here with us today. We are experiencing God in his fullness. Welcome to another TRC broadcast. I am your host, Bishop R.D. McLeod, and I am ecstatic that you have chosen to worship with us. So without any further ado, let us get ready to get into the word of God. Uh, we are uh, just be prayerful. Just be prayerful as you hear from the spirit of God. Allow him to speak to your, you know, I like the way uh, when David was repenting in Psalms 51, he said, thou desires truth in the inward parts and then the hidden parts thou makest me to know wisdom. That's where God contacts you in your spirit. That's where he communes with you in your spirit. The Bible says in St. John chapter four, uh, God is a spirit. And so we are a spirit. We are trying to be made in God's image according to Genesis 1:26. So let us commune with God this morning on his level. Amen. Put aside all of the fleshly activities, put aside all of the cares, put aside all of those things so you can commune with God uninterrupted. Amen. So this morning, as a matter of fact, incidentally, I'm going to be talking to you about something that is very much um, in line with what we are speaking about right now. I want to talk to you about restoring a God conscience. You know, if you look around and you see the activities of the world and you see all of the things that are happening, people don't retain a God knowledge, a God conscience. Things that we do, we are mostly self-driven. However, when you retain a God conscious, the Bible says they that are led by the spirit of God, they are the sons and daughters of God. Now that you're born again, you have been delivered from a sin nature. That's where you are carry the innate traits of just being a spontaneous habitual sinner. You've been delivered since you were born again. If you are born again, you've been delivered from that sin nature. However, you still retain a sin consciousness. That's the part we have to deal with, the sin consciousness. And that sin consciousness cannot have power over you unless you allow it to produce shame, sorrow, and guilt of the past. It will try to ride you, but it cannot control you unless you let it in, unless you allow it. So you have to, uh, as you allow the word of God to renew your mind, your sin, your, your God consciousness that was lost in the garden replaces the self-consciousness that was gained in the garden. See, because when man lost his awareness of God, his consciousness of God, uh, when he committed high treason in the garden, he became self-aware. He became self-conscious. And you know, being too self-aware can cause insecurities. And a lot of people live with those. They cover it in many ways. Sometimes it's aggressive nature. Sometimes it's, it's uh, to become introverted. A lot of these things people do in order to cover their insecurities. But that's because they are self-conscious. But when you become God-conscious, the Bible says in Proverbs 28 and 1, the righteous are bold as a lion. Why? Because your confidence is not in you. Your confidence is not in your own abilities, but your confidence is in the God you serve. Your confidence is in the God that's in you. 
You know, the Bible says, strengthen us by might, by your spirit in our inner man. That causes us to be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. That's why when Paul said he was going through a lot of changes, Paul said, he, he, he said, Lord, he said, uh, you know, uh, let this thing depart from me. And the Bible says, my grace is sufficient for my strength is made perfect in your weakness. Paul said, wherefore I rather glory in my infirmities for when I'm weak, that is when the power of God rests upon me. And it's the same with you and I. When we are weak, the power of God rests upon us. That's when we have acknowledged we can't do it. That's when we have acknowledged that we are not capable of doing it without him. Jesus said, he said, without me, you can do no thing. Amen. So we're talking about repairing and restoring your God consciousness. You know, so the less aware uh, when you do restore your God consciousness, you are less aware of you. You are more aware of God. And, you know, you would think that or you would hope that people would want to lead their lives where God is the one that's in total control. But, you know, we take time. We take turns pushing God off the throne. Hey man, you understand what I'm saying? You know, as long as it doesn't require anything of you, you it's okay for God to be on that throne. But then when you want to take over, you push him off the throne and that self-consciousness begins to lead again. And then we are led by the flesh, which leads to corruption. Now, let's make this fact known. Everyone has a conscience. Everyone has a conscience. Now, whether it's a good conscience, whether it's a bad conscience, whether it is a conference, a conscience that is God aware or if it's a conscience that is self-aware, everyone does have a conscience. The conscience is your is that 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 psyche, that part of you that knows right from wrong. It is that part of you that gives you an inner witness when you're doing things that is pleasing unto God or you're doing things that's not. So that is your conscience. Many times we will say, something told me. We say that all the time. You know, I was doing this the other day and something told me. It's not something that told you. It First of all, it is the Holy Spirit. The Bible says when he, over in St. John, he, the spirit of truth has come. He shall lead and guide you unto all truth. Whatsoever he hear of the Father, he will make it un known unto you and he'll show you things to come. So the Holy Spirit is the revealer of truth. He will speak to you. Then your conscience, in essence, will begin to respond to things that you already have knowledge of. Are you listening to me? So uh, he will speak, but he's trying to speak. I'm getting ahead of myself. He's trying to speak to your heart. However, your conscience will begin to speak to you in regards to what's right or wrong. Let's go to Romans chapter two. Let's read a, a couple of scriptures and establish this point even further. Romans chapter two, and I'll begin reading verse uh, 14. Uh, the Bible says, for when the Gentiles are those that are naturally without God, which have not the law, they don't know the word. It says when they do by nature, the things that are contained in the word, he said, these having not the word become a law unto themselves. Why? They have a witness on the inside. 
that what they're doing, even if they don't know the scripture, you were like that when you first got saved. You begin to know something is right with this or something is wrong with this. I have an inner witness, but I don't have knowledge of the word of God. He said, which show, verse 15, out of the work of the law, written in their hearts, their conscience also bearing witness and their thoughts, the meanwhile, accusing or else excusing one another. In the day when God would judge the secrets of man's heart, uh, uh, according to Jesus Christ. He said, when, when God should judge the secrets of men by Jesus Christ, according to my gospel. What he's saying is there is a time when the secrets of our hearts, the things that we concealed in our hearts, when we knew we were right, we knew it was wrong. And you know, and it's like that, you cannot be saved. You cannot have the Holy Spirit and not know if something is off track. You know, it's like the check engine light. You might not know what it is, but you know that because this light is on, something is wrong. But we will get to another part of why people struggle with that, even when they have a witness. Your conscious reacts subconsciously. The prefix sub means beneath, like submarine, submerge. You know, the prefix sub means underneath your conscious level. So, you it reacts uh, subconsciously under your knowledge or the things that you have gained knowledge of. You are not aware of it until you do something related to what you've been taught or what you believe. The Bible says that the Lord has placed the knowledge of himself within the hearts of every human being. He has placed the knowledge of himself. You know, you have, even if you, we're considered an atheist. That means that you are not, you don't believe the law of God. Well, it's hard to be an atheist without there being the existence of the law of God. Do you understand what I'm saying? So uh, even many times when even an atheist or an unbeliever is on their deathbed, they come back to the witness that's in their spirit. And it's like that with a lot of believers. We live like we want to live. We do like we want to do. And we believe or we pretend we don't know right from wrong. But when you, your back is up against that proverbial wall or you are between that proverbial rock and hard place and you are lying on your deathbed, immediately you begin to bring to mind all the things that you knew that was wrong all the things that you knew and you want to now talk to people that you've done wrong. You want to bring them next to you. You want to do all of these things because you do have an awareness. God has placed the knowledge of himself. And the Bible says it this way. He has placed eternity in the hearts of all men. So men know, regardless to whether they acknowledge, because over in Romans, the Bible says there is a group of people that did not like to retain the knowledge of law of God in their hearts. That means you knew it was there, but you didn't retain it. You know, you kept piling stuff on top of it. So you eventually come to another place. And I'll get to that about how your conscience can be seared. But now listen to this. Uh, so. He has placed the knowledge of himself in the hearts of all men. And the more you know, the more you know you will be held responsible for. You know, the Bible says to whom much is given, much is required. You know, you might know 
99 scriptures. You might only be doing one of them, but you are held responsible for the 99 that you know. Are you listening to what I'm saying? And so when you when you don't know, then your conscience will bear witness to what's right and what's wrong. You always ask yourself, what about people in third uh, in third world, world countries that may not know the word of God? How would they be judged? They would be judged, the Bible says in Romans, the second chapter. Their conscience will accuse them and their conscience will excuse them because of the law written in their hearts. That is God in every man saying you're right or you're wrong. And, you know, you can hear that initially and you can ignore it so long until you come to the place of having a seared conscience. First Timothy four and two. Uh, and when your conscience is seared, that means that no truth can get inside. Truth will bounce off. Even when you hear it, you will know it. You will be agitated with it. You will begin to get to the place where you, you can't stand to hear the truth. That's when your conscience is seared. However, it doesn't change the fact that you will still be responsible for it. You know, a lot of times people try to ignore what they don't want to hear. But, but that, that doesn't change the fact that you are still going to be accountable for it. Are you listening? So, uh one thing about the human conscious, the human conscious gives testimony to God's existence. You know on the inside of you that there is a God. But now we're going to talk about the, we're going to talk about the insufficient witness that your conscience has when it comes down to knowing God. You know of God. Are you listening? There is a witness of God. However, it is insufficient. Why? Because your conscience does not provide any personal knowledge of God or how we can know him. Your conscience does not provide any personal knowledge. It does not have personal knowledge of God. It only has a witness of God's existence. Are you listening to what I'm saying? So the identity of God is not revealed through your conscience. Which brings me to another point. When people, that's why a lot of people, that's why religion exists. Because people try to know God through their conscience, which does not have foreknowledge of God as far as revealing his identity, revealing his character, revealing his ways. Your conscience does not have that knowledge. Are you listening? God has provided ways for you to know him, but it's not through your conscience. Now, let's, let's, let's continue to look. Uh, secondly, the conscience has been corrupted by sin. This is the real reason why your conscience has become a fallible witness as to who God is and what God is. It's because sin has corrupted your conscience. It has invaded your conscience. It, conscience. it has sabotaged your conscience. Are you listening to what I'm saying? In the garden, when man committed treason, then sin was introduced and man became self-conscious. He lost the God consciousness. 
So he no longer decided or, or desired to please God, but only please himself. And you have believers right now that their whole plot, plight in life is to please themselves at the expense <clears throat> of pleasing God. That's not where you want to be. Uh, Romans 8, 7. Let me see if I put that down because I do want to read that. Uh, not Romans 8, 7. 1 Corinthians 8, 7. My apologies. That's 1 Corinthians 8, 7. Listen to this. Howbeit there is not in every man that knowledge. For some, let me let me see. Uh, let's go to verse six. It says, "But to us there is but one God, the Father, of whom are all things, and we are in Him, one Lord Jesus Christ, by whom are all things, and we by Him. Howbeit there is not in every man that knowledge that there is one God." and one Jesus Christ, by whom all things are made by him. We know that in St. John, in verse 1, Saint chapter 1, verse 1, in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, the word was God, same that was in the beginning with God. Listen to this, and all things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. And verse 14 says, and the word was made flesh, and we beheld his glory as the only begotten of the Father full of grace and truth. So all men don't have that knowledge that there is one God and then one Jesus who made all things. Let's continue reading. For some with the conscience of the idol unto the hour, eat it as though things offered unto an idol. Their conscience being weak is defiled. Here Paul says that this is one reason why our conscience is a fallible witness to knowing God because it's weak. And our conscience is weak. Some people are held, held hostage by a weak conscience because they can't escape the past. Some people are held hostage by a weak conscience because they can't escape, escape offense. Some people are held hostage by a weak conscience because they can't escape failure. They can't escape bad experiences. It is their conscience that is holding them hostage. It is their conscience that is keeping them from walking free. And so, therefore, they have created in their lives a imprisonment to their own conscience their conscious being weak. Now, let's continue to look at this because we're talking about restoring a God conscious. Your natural conscious in the state that it's in because it has been infiltrated by the sin principle has become weak. Now, the conscious we said in 1 Timothy 4 2 can be seared. You live in a constant state of rejection. That's twofold. You live in a constant state of feeling rejected, being defensive because you're feeling rejected, but you also live in a constant state of rejecting the knowledge of God. 
And I believe it's St. John chapter 12 and verse 48 says that in the end, Jesus said, I won't judge you, but the word that I spoke to you, it will judge you. And when you reject the word, then you reject deliverance. When you reject the word, you reject truth. Your conscience will capitalize on that and take advantage of your disposition of being offended at truth. Are you listening to what I'm saying? Have you ever seen someone and they just, they go about their everyday being offended at right things? That's because their conscience is seared. Your conscience, because it has no personal knowledge of God, it can create a God from things. Because your conscience has no personal knowledge of God, then it can create the God that it wants to serve. And that's where a lot of people are, which is the basis of religion. It is creating the God that you believe he is instead of the God that he is. Some people say a loving God would not send anyone to hell. He won't. You are absolutely right. But you're, you're taking it out of context. He will give you the opportunity to deliver or send yourself. Are you listening to what I'm saying? But the God you created will let you drink, uh, 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 get high. And the Bible says strong drink is a mockery. I'm not going to argue with you about that. Drink all you want to. That's between you and the Lord. When you stand before him, hope you're right. Are you listening? But it's not good for your witness. No more than you see nothing in the Bible about cools and Newports. It says nothing about those. Pale males, Virginia Slims, says nothing about that. But it does say that let not your liberty become, become a stumbling block. It creates a bad witness. How can you tell someone about deliverance in the midst of being in bondage? That's another story, and we're not going to argue about that. Are you listening to what I'm saying? Paul said all things are lawful, but all things are not profitable. You are here to be the salt of the earth. You're here to be the light of the, of the earth. And some things you can do can reduce your witness, can condemn your light and reduce your influence. However, we said you can produce things on the earth because your consciousness does not have the knowledge of God. You can create a God from things. And Exodus 20 and 3 says, have no other gods before me. Less, uh, um, the Bible says, let me see. Oh, there's a scripture where the Bible says that what you did was you changed the power of the immortal God into the image of a moral man or of animals on the earth and birds in the air, what it's basically saying is you reduce the immortal God who is your savior and you reduced him down to making a God out of things on the earth. You're worshiping lions and tigers and bears. You said it. Oh my. <laughs> so this is where you got to be careful 
have no other gods before me and make no images, he said, no idols of the things that's on the earth and create them as your representative. That's another story. But again, your conscience will tell you, that's cool, it's okay, unless you get in trouble. Then your conscience will bail on you and then the secrets of your heart will come forward and say, I knew that that was not right. Moving right along. Only Jesus Christ can cleanse the consciousness. Your conscience is infallible. Your conscience, as far as knowing God, is infallible because it has been corrupted by sin. Your conscience is insufficient because it has no personal knowledge of God. And your conscience is powerless because it doesn't, it doesn't reveal God's identity. Now, only the blood of Jesus can cleanse your consciousness, but that's through relationship. This is why most people know of the man upstairs the big guy in the sky, the guy around the corner, the almighty, almighty, but they don't know him as father, Abba, father. They don't know him as not only my Lord, my savior, but my Lord and my redeemer. They don't know him because it's the absence of relationship. Are you listening to what I'm saying? Let's go to Hebrews chapter nine. Let's read the scripture right quick. Hebrews chapter nine. And let's look at verse 14. Verse 13 would be more uh, uh, in line. For if the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of a heifer sprinkling the unclean sanctified to the purifying of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offer himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? How much more does the blood, see the blood of Jesus cannot purge your consciousness or purge your sin without developing a relationship. What happens is people go to the first step and they allow the blood to purge their sin. However, they still retain a sin consciousness. So therefore, they still act in a sinful way. They still talk in a sinful way. They still live in a sinful way. They can still be offended without repenting. They can still do all of these things because their consciousness has never been purged. Are you listening to what I'm saying? But it is the blood of Jesus. It is relationship. You cannot know the identity of God without relationship. Otherwise, he will become this fictitious person, this figment of your imagination, or this conjured image out of your spirit as to what you think he ought to be and not who he is. Listen, the power of God comes through knowing God. Are you listening to that? <clears throat> First Peter, the third chapter says, according as his divine power, he hath given us all things that pertain unto the life and uh, unto life and godliness 
through the knowledge of him who have called us to glory and virtue, whereby these exceedingly great and precious promises, we are partakers of his divine nature. See, it is by knowing God that you become a partaker of his nature. And his nature does not act like we act. His nature does not walk in unforgiveness like we do. His nature does not walk in pride like we do. His nature does not treat people like we do. See, you become a partaker of his divine nature when you are in relationship with him. But when you know of him, you can act like the scribes and Pharisees with the knowledge of him externally, not internally. It is when it's like medicine. Medicine will not help your flesh as long as it's in the cabinet. It has to get inside of you. That's the same way you get contaminated. The enemy has to get inside of you. Jesus said the prince of this world coming, but he has nothing in me. The Bible says in Mark chapter 7, somewhere around verse 15, it's not that which coming into a man that defile him, but it's when it comes in you and get in your heart and, it, and it's released in actions that defileth the man. Are you listening to me? So here, the Bible says that the blood that's of Jesus will purge your consciousness from dead works. Dead works identify themselves as anything that has no eternal value. No beneficial eternal value. See, we're here and our life is but a vapor. Are you listening to me? 30, 40, 50 years might sound like a long time to you, but it's not a long time in regards to eternity. And at some point, you're going to have to put all the chips on the table and your conscience will become a prosecuting attorney. Your conscience will switch up on you and say, you knew. <laughs> Are you listening to me? Now, let's go ahead on and finish this thing. Only the blood of Jesus can change the heart of a man and purify his conscience. So not only to discern right and wrong, but to act on it. See, knowing right and wrong is one thing, but to do right and wrong, to act on it. Right from wrong. Are you listening? Go to Hebrews chapter 10, verse 22. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 22. Listen to this. Let us draw near with a true heart. Let us draw near with a true heart. Let us draw near with a true heart. Are you getting this? Let us draw near with a true heart. A full assurance of faith, having a heart sprinkled from an evil conscience, having our hearts, listen to, the, you see the connection between the heart and the conscience, having, in order to reverse the process, in order to restore God conscious, your heart must be sprinkled with the blood of Jesus. There must be relationship that will reverse the process of an evil conscience. Listen to me. And our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast to the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promise. Having our hearts sprinkled. Are you listening? Having our hearts sprinkled. 
your heart must be changed. See, and the Bible says, let us draw near with a true heart. You know, it's funny. Jesus made a statement and we see this in the body of Christ. And you see people all the time. You see people live crazy. Do things that are obviously <clears throat> without God conscience. And yet they know all the right lingo. They know all the right things to say. They know the appropriate place to put them. They know all of those things. But it's amazing that Jesus said, the people draw nigh unto me with their mouth and they honoreth me with their lips. But he said, but it is their heart. The relationship I have with them is non-existent. Are you listening? <clears throat> And we pride ourselves on knowing what to say. But the Bible says, let us have our heart sprinkled. Now, Hebrews, uh, I think that's what I just read, Hebrews 10, 22. It is. He said, let us, let us uh, draw near with a true heart. Jesus said, don't draw nigh unto me with your words. Don't draw nigh unto me with Christian lingo. God is good all the time and all the time. God is good. Listen, guys, we know this stuff. We practice this stuff. And yet we're distant in our hearts. He said, draw not unto me and I'll draw not unto you. That's why we're still looking for God in our situations because we haven't drawn nigh. Now, look at this. Let's go to 1 John, 1 John chapter 3. And I want to read this scripture unto you. 1 John chapter 3. And let's look at verse 18. And I want to read these scriptures and I want to keep them there in context. But I want, and in, in, in regards to what we're talking about, because we're talking about restoring the God conscious. Listen, what is the benefit of restoring the God conscious? Because you can be led by him. God knows everything. Everything you're struggling with right now, every problem you have right now, every situation that troubles you right now, everything that has you up at night, everything that promotes fear, everything that causes lack in your life, everything that you feel deficient of, God knows it all. And unless you draw nigh unto the source, you will be deficient of these things in your life. The shortest distance between two points is a straight line. God knows those things. Why are you trying to get them around him? You're taking the scenic route. I was talking to, uh, to, uh, to the men, and I was saying, you know, many of you that have traveled on a plane, if you were going to go from North Carolina to New York, don't you hate it when they send you somewhere to Tennessee and have a layover? Don't you hate it when they send you to Chicago just to get to New York and you got a two hour layover? You still get to New York, but look how long it took you. That's how people are in life. They take the scenic route instead of the straight line, instead of just going to what they know God has said and get productivity and get results. They take the scenic route because it's more comfortable. And they take people take the scenic route because they're not in faith. So they have to see something. That's another story, another lesson. 
First John chapter three, verse 18 says, my little children, let us not love in word. Oh my God, can you get that? Let's, we are notorious. Let us not love in word, neither in tongue. Why would he say that? Because people do it. Let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. He said, let's stop talking it. Let's start walking it. Isn't it amazing? You can get 15 people and all of them say they love the Lord and they serve the same Lord and they can't even, they don't even like each other. They can't talk to each other. And everybody saved, everybody going to heaven. <laughs> Do you know that God is not schizophrenic? There is something wrong with that. And the Bible says, is God divided? No, no. That's because everybody has their own God. <laughs> Ah, it's another story. Listen to this in verse 19. And hereby we know that we are of truth and shall assure our hearts before him, not our words before him, not our testimony before him. Assure our hearts in the day that God judged the secrets of men's heart. Your conscience then will accuse you or excuse you. Are you listening to me? For if our heart condemn us, God is greater than our hearts and knoweth all things. See, that's one reason right there. And I'll tell you something else too. It'll be tough. What if you got into a life or death situation and you didn't like your pastor? Who are you going to get to pray for you? And as Bishop was saying when he was talking about uh, honor, if he does pray for you, nothing is going to happen because there's a disconnect. We call that in the elect electrical world, a shortage. <laughs> when there's a shortage, it's intermittent. Who are you gonna get? At a life of death, you don't have time to fix everything. Somebody with the power of God needs to be able to pray for you, for your children in your life, somebody. And if you cut that avenue off, you are out there in no man's land, hoping nothing happens. Are you listening to what I'm saying? But you will put the same walls you build up to keep everybody out. You kept yourself in. Listen, if your heart condemn you, God is greater than your heart. And many times people can't even go to God because they know. I like what Hezekiah said. The Bible says whenever the prophet went to him and told him, hey, go ahead and get your life in order. Get your stuff in order because you're surely going to die. Soon as he left out the door, the Bible says Hezekiah turned his face to the wall. Many people will turn their face to the wall, but it's not turning your face to the wall that had power. It's what he was able to say in truth. He said, Father, have not I lived and walked in truth before you with a perfect heart? And the Bible says God told the prophet, go back right now and tell him, I've heard his prayer. I've seen his tears and I'll add to him 15 more years. You can turn your face to the wall, but if you don't have a perfect heart and you haven't walked in truth, you will die looking at the wall. Are you listening to what I'm saying? It counts then. You're no longer in practice. Then you're in the game. The Bible says, but if our heart condemn us not, then have we confidence toward God. 
Hezekiah had confidence toward God. He went to God and he said, look, I'm going to put everything on the table. I'm going to say what you and I both know. You know, Lord, when I had opportunity to be offended, I wasn't. When you know I had opportunity to do somebody wrong, I didn't. When you know I had opportunity, Father, to do things that wouldn't please you, I didn't take it. You knew I did everything I could do. When I had opportunity to treat people right, I did. When I had opportunity to do right by people, I did. You know I did this, Lord. So he had confidence toward him. And he turned his face to the wall. Said, Lord, you know, I've walked before you in truth. How many of you can say that? Everybody can say that to their God. But can you say it to the God that can deliver you? Can you say that to the God that can deliver you? In confidence. Time to close out. That's why Matthew 5 and 15 and 8 put that down. The people draw nigh unto me with their mouth and with their lips they do honor me. Giving honor unto my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, who is first in my life, to the pastor, to the deacon bold, and to all of the, yep, we say the church lingo. Honor, listen, and I'm, you know, the Lord has been talking to me about this. I'm going to teach this one day. Honor as a verb. Honor is not what you call a person. Honor is how you act toward them. See, we think honor is just because I say bishop, apostle, prophet, evangelist, teacher, teacher, teacher. In the Kung Fu movies, they said that teacher. <laughs> but honor is how you respond in your heart. That's honor. So listen to me. Until your God conscious is restored, you will remain self-conscious. And everything that you do will be guided toward self-satisfaction. Not pleasing God, but pleasing yourself. How do we restore a God conscious? Through relationship. Then we can have confidence toward God. And the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin and our evil conscience. Well, praise the Lord. I hope you got something out of this. I hope the Lord is speaking to you. I hope right now, if you are out there and you know that your conscience is saying to you, you know that some things haven't been right. Go to him. First John 1 and 9 says that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You want to be cleansed from all unrighteousness. Are you listening to me? So if this message has been a blessing to you, partner with us. If this message has been a blessing to you, connect with us, connect with the anointed. Total restoration, continue to be faithful. Be faithful in your prayers, be faithful in your giving, be faithful in your online attendance. Amen. Give God that time, that 45, 50 minutes on Sunday, not with a blank screen. And I can't see it. So if you got a blank screen, don't go into condemnation. Just don't have it next time. <laughs> but just allow God, give him your full attention. Because when you're in trouble, you want God to give you his. So 
Till we see each other again, whenever you see each other again, however you do it, whenever you do it, whatever you do, make sure that you do it in a good conscience. And then you can keep it real. <laughs>